0: Hey y'all and welcome back to Uplift Fit Nutrition Radio. I'm your host Lacey Dunn, future registered dietitian here to spread the scientific knowledge in the world of fitness and nutrition. I want to thank you so much for joining in with me today. Get ready to learn, get excited and let's get moving. Hey y'all, so today I will be repurposing the content from a podcast that I did, an interview with Ryan Johnson. I'll make sure I put his podcast and the link to that specific interview in the description of this one. But I just wanna say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you like my podcast, please leave a review. It helps this podcast grow, which helps me to continue putting out good content so if there's any topic that you want me to discuss please dm me on instagram at faith and fit or shoot me an email at fit and faith.com let's get started
1: welcome to another episode of dd on the spot as always i'm your host ryan johnson before i get to my guests here today i'd like to remind everyone that if you enjoy this content to please give a like and subscribe down below we greatly appreciate it but now we get to our guest here. She is Faith and Fit, Lacey Dunn. Obviously, if you aren't following her, you aren't doing it right. She's got her <laughs> degree in dietetics, and she's about to become a future registered dietitian. Lacey, thank you very much for being on the podcast today.
0: Of course. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here.
1: Yeah. So why don't you give us a little bit of a backstory and what got you started into the fitness lifestyle and how that how that came to be?
0: Yeah. So essentially, I started weight training and I started fueling my body to gain muscle back when I was in my senior year of high school. This is because I wanted to make the University of Central... Florida Division 1 cheerleading team and I was a tiny girl cheerleader but just did not have the muscle mass that I needed in order to make the team because they had a certain look they had to do they you had to look a certain way as well as you had to be able to weight train and do what they did so in order to make the team I needed to weight train I taught myself using bodybuilding.com as well as all the research um, that I was personally doing via Google Um, and then Through that and then learning more about nutrition and its impact on both fitness as well as overall health, that's what really got me dedicated and into the field of dietetics and into the field of nutrition. So the the game changer was essentially when I realized after – almost a full semester of doing biomedical science that that was not my plan I didn't want to be stuck in a lab working with rats or you know anything like that and I really wanted to help people learn about nutrition and impact their lives through nutrition so that was the game changer for me and I went from UCF after doing a full year cheerleading there and I transferred over to the University of Georgia which I then was a major in dietetics and that's where I graduated so that's, oh, that's how awesome. it started.
1: Yeah, that's great. So what would you say is probably the most surprising fact that you've learned through all of your stu- through all of your studies of nutrition?
0: That everything's connected and it's really <laughs> hard to figure out what's specifically going on. Nutrition, Sorry. people think that nutrition is so easy. But there are so many factors that we have zero control over from the our environment to our genetics to our epigenetics. Everything is just so complex. Mm
1: -hmm. So a lot of people don't really understand that genetics does play a huge role in your nutrition. Could you kind of elaborate more on how genetics, I mean, obviously it differs from person to person, but just how big of a role that plays in someone's overall nutrition?
0: Yeah, so when we are each born, we have our DNA, and we don't have control of that. Um, When we go out and we eat certain foods, we also have the interaction of those genes in that specific food with the interaction in our gut microbiome, and this can turn on or turn off genes that we have. And we have zero control over that. So essentially, for every single person, there can be a different response that can potentially turn off or turn on genes. The biggest thing there is specifically that um, for carcinogens, the, the carcinogens that we interact with in our environment, the ones that we eat, those can even potentially turn off and turn on genes that lead to tumor growth. So there's a lot of things that we have control over, things we don't have control over. And then genetics play a huge role in regards to gaining muscle, losing body fat, or metabolism. That plays a huge role into all these different interco- um, these Connecting factors, for example, um, the Prader-Willi syndrome is where there's like a defect in Grenlin and leptin. So essentially, these people, their body, nev- their body never recognizes that they have food, so they're always constantly hungry. And then their body never realizes that it has body fat, so then it's upregulating all these symptoms of hunger and changing up hormone levels, um, decreasing their thyroid levels, so just all these different things just based on one genetic defect.
1: Wow, that's amazing. And then through your studies, have you found it hard? I mean, obviously all of these things are so scientific and there's all these words that no one Other than people who have studied have heard of, have you found it hard to kind of relate that information to clients and uh, prospective people that you're working with just due to the fact that it's a vast array of knowledge that can be hard to kind of uh, dumb down a little bit for people to understand?
0: Yes, that's that's something I'm continuously working on, very much so. Um, it's really hard to kind of bring the information from a complex level to something that you could share with the general information because the general population, because essentially when you're like going out to high schools, when you're going out to the general public, mm-hmm. you can't just speak on a college level. People don't know that. Mm-hmm.
1: It's really Absolutely. hard, and it's
0: like people like accountant trying to tell me about taxes. I have zero like <laughs> like you're talking to like a kid over here.
1: <laughs> we have had accountants on here, and I definitely understand that struggle <laughs> <laughs> so um, what do you wish you had known ahead of time before you started sort of your fitness journey was what was the what would be one thing that now you look back and say, oh, I really wish I had understood that
0: well, I wish I would have known that dietitians don't make as much money as they do. That would have been great yep. to know. Um, and I also wish I would have known that in a clinical setting um, that it's, it's less patient interaction than I previously thought. Mm-hmm. So I guess I just wish I would have known what dietitians essentially do more of prior to getting into this kind of field. Not taking away from the field that I'm going into, but just something that I would have liked to have known beforehand.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um I follow you on Twitter and I follow you on Instagram and I saw some, some of your posts bring up a really good point when you're talking about how there are people on Instagram who are sort of trying to pretend to be um, dietitians or they're trying to act like they have the knowledge and they're giving people um, not like false knowledge but they're not as informed as they should be and they're kind of selling themselves off. Is that a struggle you feel in the dietetic field is, is people who just think just because they look good that then they can give that sort of advice without being qualified to, to do so?
0: Oh, hands down. You can speak to any registered dietitian and it absolutely pisses them off to hear people call themselves nutritionists or nutrition therapy practitioners or – and the thing is like some people are super smart and they are self-educated and that's awesome. Good for you. But then there's also the really bad people that just claim themselves as nutritionists because of a degree – not a degree, because of a certification they took online by themselves – and they think they have all this knowledge and it's just – it's really hard because um, using that knowledge and not really actually knowing what you're doing can cause harm on somebody else.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, and I just think with all the other things that has to have to do with the fitness thing, you have to be and it differs from person to person. So if you don't have that spe- experience and general knowledge on how other people's body types work, if you just give out like a general like this is what you have to do in order to be healthier or nutrition-wise, you're you're not going to have as good of a result. But when you're starting out with clients or starting out with people, what would you say is the biggest health misconception that the majority of the public believes?
0: The majority of the public thinks that carbs make you fat. And it's really, really sad. A lot of people, and especially these days, everybody's scared of insulin. Everybody's scared of carbs. And it's just really sad. People don't realize that insulin is in a very, it's very important for our overall health. If you want to survive, if you want to not be a type 1 diabetic, type 2 diabetic, and stuff like that, you need insulin.
1: Absolutely. And it's just, I I just don't understand all the – it's just a lot of – people just aren't informed nowadays as they should be. And obviously one of the big misconceptions too, especially with women with the whole weight training, is they don't want to get bulky. They don't want to get huge, and they think just picking up one weight. And I have talked to people. It has gotten better over I'd say like the last five years, especially with Instagram kind of giving more, um, more ways for people to view that that is just a myth. But is that still something that you run into as well?
0: I definitely still run into it, and I still see it on Instagram. Like, you know, people sell um, different programs to tone and shape their bodies. And I'm like, come on, people. Weight training is so good for you. There, is, there are just so many benefits for your metabolism, for your overall health, for your bone health, um, to doing weight training. And the only reason you're ever going to get bulky – There's two, actually two reasons. Number one, you're taking steroids. And then number two, you're just eating like crap and you're actually getting fat. It's, I mean, that's just the truth.
1: Yeah, we yeah we had someone else on who kind of said the same thing, and it does have to agree. Also, just people being uninformed, people just aren't really looking into the knowledge ahead of time, and they're just. So I think it's the problem is too is they're putting blind trust into their trainers without having proper knowledge about it. I mean, you got to have a little mm-hmm. bit of a basic, basic intro into what what you need to know. But when you were um, also one of the things that we all that I've noticed is that your faith in fit. How do you how do you say that your values kind of show up in your work?
0: Every single thing that I do, I'm able to do because of my amazing God. So every single opportunity, every single passion that has been given to me, that has been put into my heart, has been put in there for a reason. So I want to live in a way that I follow that passion. I follow what he has done for me because he died for my sins and I want to make sure that I live for him. So knowing that I'm following the passion that he gave me, makes me know that i'm doing that and i strive to do that every single day
1: that's amazing i mean there's so many with all the stuff that's going on with social media there's really not that many people that really focus on their faith when they're promoting an instagram page and i really just i I praise you for that because there's not that's not enough and i think more people need to be doing that but at what point when you were starting your instagram page did you kind of realize oh my god this is something that's kind of huge it's kind of taking off was there a certain moment or or point when you kind of realized that
0: um. Yes. So that was essentially when I made – Um. I was kind of in the running for the 2015 bodybuilding.com spokesmodel search. And I had a following, but nothing crazy, nothing over like 60K. And I actually I, – I made the top 20 and then I just started – it just started building and it started building. And then when I actually got into the top five, I was like, oh my God, this could be something – that could be part of a career in fitness I had never thought about my Instagram page actually being able to make me money and serving as a side job and through that and through my Instagram page growing I was able to see that I could potentially make this a side gig which is fabulous because that is how I have paid my tuition (laughs)
1: Yeah, that's that's amazing, and it's just one of those things with the new technology. Like I say, if it wasn't for the new technology, I wouldn't be able to be doing this podcast. Exactly. You wouldn't be able to do Instagram. Uh, for everyone that rips on the technology nowadays, there are so many benefits that you can have to it. But when you're doing your uh, when you're doing your bodybuilding prep, have you found that your preps have changed over time, or do you generally have the same experience when it comes to your prep?
0: So I haven't done a prep in a really long time. Um, I did a one week prep last year, so I do not count that one. (laughs) Um, But generally, I actually, I I respond pretty, pretty well the same. Um, I don't have to make anything drastic. I don't have to do really any cardio. I did cardio um, two times a week for 15 minutes on the Stairmaster for my prep for nationals in Miami um, in 2016 and just like that prep, this prep I've had to do ten minutes for two times a week on the Stairmaster, and I would say I'm doing pretty good and chugging along, so it's been it's been about the same so far. We still have seven weeks, so we shall see.
1: Do you How do you find that strength kind of mentally? Because I know that there obviously no matter what you eat, no matter how much sleep you get, there there will still be days when you might feel like a zombie and when you just feel depleted. Where do you think you get that extra ounce of strength in order to keep keep continuing on in your prep? Does it come from just knowing what the final package is going to look like or does it just come from just loving what you do?
0: I'm very thankful that I've never had to I've never felt depleted with prep but I have felt back when I was um, in burnout so a few months ago I was going through a burnout session because my thyroid thyroid was just tanked and I felt depleted and it was really tough and workouts were really tough and getting through the day was really tough Um, and the only thing that kept me going was being grateful for my health and being grateful that I could even go to the gym so I would just go being saying telling myself that if I just went if I took care of my body and if I fueled my body and then let it rest then everything would turn out the way it needed to be Um, going through you know clinicals and seeing patients who are bedridden that's really been the biggest motivator for me when times get tough Mm -hmm. it changes your perspective on life it really does
1: yeah, abs- absolutely. I mean, just to give you all the motivation, just realizes how lucky you are to have, be able to be a functioning human being and just mm-hmm. being able to do what you love. So you are one of the starters, I think, well, obviously, in my Instagram history, you are one of the the first ones that I followed in the fitness community. And to me, you're one of the pioneers sort of in the fitness community, especially going back years. But oh, how wow. do you how well,
0: Thank you. <laughs>
1: absolutely. Absolutely. So how would you say that the fitness community has evolved since you got into it? I mean, it's gone on. More, obviously, it's got more mainstream with Instagram. They have all the fit spells now where you can go and meet your athletes. But how? how is there any other ways that you think that it's evolved as well?
0: Hands down. Back in 2013 when I first started my account, it was a lot more of an actual community and people actually connected and w- there were friends and it, it was less product promotion. It was less, here's my booty, buy my fo- my program. It was a lot of, like, people would comment and genuinely encourage each other. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of sharing of information between. You saw a lot of comments like that. And nowadays, it's just like, Here's my butt, buy my program, um, buy this supplement. And it was, there's been an explosion of supplements. So it, it's been really sad to see the change specifically coming from, you know, the 2013, 2014 era to now. Um, but at the same time, there's blessings in that because there are more products. There's more information. Um, there's more access to information. So it's it's a hit or miss there. But definitely there's been a change
1: absolutely i mean you see that it's just like with everything else like even with youtube when it started coming out mm-hmm. and then now they have all these ads that you have on your videos and mm-hmm. it's just
0: people
1: people try to just make money out of it when it when it comes and i get comes it to, uh, you know
0: i get it people got to make a living and um the world changes but it, it does make it, it makes it sad
1: yeah one of your posts that I really enjoyed, and it's one of the things that I knew when I started, I started lifting in college, and it was one of the things that I really paid attention to is metabolic windows. Could you define sort of what a meta- metabolic window is, and does it differ for between person to person, or is it generally the same?
0: Yeah, so the anabolic window is typically defined as how long protein synthesis is elevated after you work out or have a, um, a muscle-damaging workout. Uh, it can last up to 72 hours in untrained individuals, and around 8 to 72 hours in trained individuals so amino acid levels in your tissues they typically decline three to four hours after a protein rich meal meaning eating a pre pre pre-workout and post-workout meal within three hours is redundant for you know where you eat in the time so what people think with the anabolic window is post-workout that you have to immediately have you know a source of carbs and protein in order to refill your glycogen stores and gain your muscle but the thing is because muscle protein since this synthesis is elevated post-workout for such a long period of time you have a few hours to wait to eat mm-hmm. because say that you ate one to two hours before you worked out guess what those amino acids acid levels and muscle protein synthesis is still elevated post-workout so you can wait a few hours and you can get a meal you don't have to have something right away um so a lot of people think you know it's i have to get it in right then right there but that's not the way the body works it also of course the anabolic window it does depend on what your training is and your goals but overall there's no such thing as an anabolic window
1: Oh wow, that's something that I that that I didn't know of. We actually learned something today, everyone out there. You learn yeah. something new every day. I was always I always believed that, uh, like one of the early programs was you know thirty minutes after a workout you have to have something. So I always bought into that. But now that I guess I don't have to do that. I mean, now I guess you know I can actually relax for a little bit before <laughs> I get some. So I well, thank you for that.
0: You're yeah. welcome. Well, the thing is, in regards to um, muscle protein since. The, Muscle protein synthesis is all about the amino acid levels and the leucine levels and the muscle damage. So after your workout, it is important to have a protein source. But if you ate a protein source one to two hours before you worked out, you don't need to worry about it. If it was maybe four hours before you worked out, then you would want to make sure you got that protein source source in because those amino acid levels would be lower and not and muscle protein synthesis would not be elevated, like if it was one to two hours before you worked out. Um, and then something in regards to, because people always talk about carbohydrates post-workout. Carbohydrates post-workout are not important if you did a weight training session, because weight training doesn't deplete your muscle glycogen stores. If you did an intense endurance aerobic activity, that's when you would really want to make sure that you filled, refilled those glycogen stores.
1: Just listening to you just talk about nutrition, I mean, it's just fascinating. Knowing all this stuff that you know, does it make working out seem easier for you knowing that like exactly when you're lifting your arm doing like a bicep curl or when you're doing just like crunches or something that you're knowing sort of what exactly is happening in your body? Does that make working out seem a little bit easier for you, do you think?
0: Nope, not whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I wish it was like brain power, but no, yeah. no. No. It just The more you know about nutrition, the more you feel like you don't know about nutrition because there's yep. just so much.
1: Mm-hmm. One of the big things, too, is the food that we eat. I mean, obviously, that's the big part of nutrition. But what do you think that some things that processed food companies can do in order to make their products healthier and, and make, make help uh, people overall benefit from it?
0: So what food companies need to do is they need to start looking at omega-6 to omega-3 ratios because a lot of foods are made with omega-6s and a lot of um, processed vegetable oils because this is very cheap for them to use. A lot of companies are also using refined added sugars and then they'll say no high fructose corn syrup but then they still use and added sugar. They still use sugar or they use agave. They still use honey. So all these things are still sugars. Um, A lot of companies are after the mouthfeel and the texture and um, the brain response to high fat, high calorie, high sugar, or high salty foods because this is what um, our bodies like. And the chemical response in our brain with keeps desiring so a lot of companies Mm -hmm. know this and they go after that that way they keep you coming back for more so it would be great to see companies stop doing that i know they never will because i mean everybody wants to make money but i just wish more companies would take into account the health of the u.s population because right now it's going downhill guys
1: Mm -hmm. absolutely just you see it you see it every day that it's it's slowly getting worse but i hope I hope – well, hopefully with people like you, it will make a rebound because I know that you are doing a very positive thing with all of your subscribers. I'm trying. I'm trying to get in public
0: policy. I'm trying.
1: Absolutely. So when – one of the things that I also like to ask, we have a lot of up-and-coming bands on here, and I'm, I'm starting to branch out more into the nutritional fitness community as well. But one of the things I like to ask the bands is performing live, kind of what that feeling is like for them, kind of the high, the rush that they get off. And I think that that same thing applies to bodybuilding shows. What is that feeling like for you when you're on stage and you're able to show off all of that hard work that you've worked for months and months for, you've it down, you've done – so you've basically been through hell that most people don't realize the average person what's that feeling like for you specifically when you when you're walking on stage
0: it's a mixture between don't fall don't trip <laughs> and feeling like a glitz glamor goddess <laughs> so it one if you are in your element and you're having fun it's just a euphoria it's you you forget every single moment that you put in in the gym you forget when you were hungry when you were tired, and all you know is you feel so good and so proud of yourself and this is your time to freaking and shine and show it off and that is all I remember when I step on stage and then when I get off all I remember is the fact that I did not trip and that's what matters
1: now you don't have to name names but have you seen anyone trip on stage
0: I have not seen anybody trip no oh, okay I have personally tripped. Does that count? Oh you have? I have, yes. (laughs) That's why I always tell people to practice their posing, because I have tripped.
1: Yeah. Was it was it was it bad or were you able to do a nice recovery?
0: Oh, I was definitely able to recover. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't it didn't detour away, but I definitely yeah, I definitely tripped.
1: Yeah. And one of the things that people don't t- tend to talk about, and I've tried to bring it up on all the nutritionists slash fitness people that I've had on this podcast, is after the show. Sometimes people struggle with the bloating or the the weight gain that you have after the show, because your body's not going to look as lean as it is as you get for the show. Mm-hmm. Most people don't realize that you're at you that you've done a lot of things. You kind of manipulated your body into looking as good as it does. But how mentally, how how do you prepare yourself and emotionally? How do you prepare? Yourself for knowing that for the fact that I'm not going to look this lean forever, and that you know it's just a process where I'm going to have to maybe go through another prep in order to look like this. How does that work?
0: For so for me, I I know going out of a prep or a um, a leaning period that my body needs to regulate back to a healthy normal body fat. So for me, it's all about just changing my perspective, not weighing, not looking in the mirror, not comparing myself to other people, and really just focusing on me and my heart. So if I ever start having struggles with body image, I either reach out to friends, to family, and then reach out to God. So those are things that I do. Um, In regards to what I suggest for my clients, of course, is we stay away from those daily scale weigh-ins. We stay away from looking in the mirror And we make sure that we stay on track into a reverse process. Um, Making sure not to have food too low because if you keep food too low and you don't gain a good amount of body fat post-show then you're just setting yourself up for failure and your body just wants more and more and more food and you binge. So we prevent that by staying on track in regards to um, reverse dieting as well as getting food up as much as we can in a slow process. That way we make them healthy and happy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's just and it's just one of those things too, where it's just you need to learn to accept. Uh, people need to accept their bodies too a little bit more. I mean, with all this post on Instagram with the fit community, people really just need to just accept that no, you are you got to be your own individual. You are you are not going to look like Lacey. You're not going to look like uh, Paige Hathaway. You're not going to look like those. You're going to look like you, and you can just do the best for you. So I think that's just one of the big things too that needs to be stressed. But yeah, you live well, in a
0: just wanna. go on that is people don't realize that body image and self-love are things that you have to work on every single day. Mm -hmm. And this is why I always say before you're going to do a prep, you have to love yourself now. If you are going to go to into a show prep thinking that that show is going to teach you how to love yourself, you're dead wrong because it's going to make your body image worse. You have to go into a show owning your body, loving your body, knowing the blessing that it is, and then doing the show for you and you only.
1: Absolutely. So you live in the southern part of the country. Uh, do you feel that extra added pressure? Because for me, I'm up in Minnesota. So like we say here, you only have basically six months that you have to look good because the other six months you're all bundled <laughs> up and you're, you know, you can just hide away. But being in a, in a place where it's warm a lot, do you feel that extra added pressure to kind of look good year round?
0: Thank God I don't because I don't let people pressure me into looking a certain way anymore. Um but I can definitely see people being that way, especially if people are in Florida and they wear bathing suits all the time. I can definitely see that happening. For me, I, I honestly don't care. If I want to wear my pajamas going to the grocery store, I will do that.
1: And if you look at her Instagram page, she sometimes does do that. So everyone <laughs> out there, she is not lying when she says that. think? Where do you think that came from? Was it just a certain point in your life where you just said, hey, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to do me. And if anyone else has a problem with that, it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, it definitely did. Because um, when I was on the University of Central Florida team and I started getting into, you know, wanting to do a bodybuilding competition, none of those girls, none of those guys, those teammates supported me except one. And it really took, you know, saying, you know what? It doesn't matter what you think because I'm the one doing my I'm the one living my life. I'm going to own it. And if you don't if you don't care, then that's okay. And it that actually was fantastic because because it taught me to own who I am and to embrace who I am. So, I'm weird, I'm a freak, and you know what? That's okay. <laughs> like I'm fine with that.
1: One of the things that i also like to mention, too, is if you do go on her Instagram page, she does love cats as well, so you'll I see a lot of cat pics. I'm
0: a crazy yes. cat lady.
1: I was, I was, I just, just so everyone out there Who knows, I was a fan with Maple. Was <gasps> one of, was, uh, you.
0: Oh. So it's Maple been a while. was such a sweetheart.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, I know. I was sad, too, when I saw that post. It was, yeah. It was bad, but what if you could pick one? What's your main breed of cat that you like the most, or oh, do you calicos. like
0: calicos? I've had three calicos my whole life, and calicos are the sweetest, funniest, craziest cats. What about you? What about you? Yes.
1: What breed? I would definitely have to say, uh, okay, you're gonna—you might not like this, but I've never had a cat before. That's I'm a—I'm a. Okay. I'm a huge- I'm a huge dog person. We have a Cavachon, which is a Bichon Frise mixed with a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. Ooh. But my dad absolutely loves cats. He grew up on a farm, and there were tons of cats around. But I would say if I had a cat, I would like a Siamese cat. I just think they look really cool.
0: Oh, they're really they're very talkative. They're very loud. But they're extremely <laughs> smart and intellectual. So you would love to have a Siamese. They're great.
1: So when it comes to, you know, having this fit lifestyle, has it helped you kind of when it comes to knowing foods for your cats, though, to kind of like get the fit brands of cat food? Has your nutrition background really helped in that?
0: Um, Knowing just a tiny bit. So knowing that cats need to not have grains in their diet, and their carnivores has helped. Mm-hmm. Knowing essentially what IBD is, irritable bowel disease, and knowing my cat has it and needs to not have higher fat containing foods was helpful. Um, but other than that, not too much. So that was that was extremely helpful to know about what IBD was when my cat was diagnosed.
1: Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's definitely something that you really need to know about because otherwise there's going to be problems. Speaking probably in the litter cats, box. She oh. just
0: came into the 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 room is
1: <laughs> that oh hi so um this is now we're gonna go to the part of the podcast that's the audience favorite where i just ask them basically for well like for bands it's i ask them like five questions and then i'll for nutritionists i've been kind of it's called kind of like the five question segment so for my first question i'm gonna ask you what is your go-to workout song
0: ooh crap okay well i know overcomer always gets me going But in regards to, like, a fun song, um, (laughs) Freedom from the Bellas, Pitch Perfect 3, has been my jam the past week, which is really pathetic. But if you guys (laughs) just listen to the Pitch Perfect 1 through 3 playlist, it will get you going.
1: I personally, I am old school. I usually like a Metallica song Ah. or I like, believe it or not, I have the entire Rocky Four soundtrack, and that is basically my go-to workout soundtrack. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, I listen to that all the time. But, yeah, I I, I am a classic. I just need something that, like, really gets me into it because I am usually sloggy when I go to work out. So then I kind of need to – I usually like to work out a little bit later in the night or early in the morning. Sometimes it depends. So that's what I basically am. And then for our second question – out of all the celebrities, if you could train a celebrity, who would you train and, and why?
0: Oh, Ellen DeGeneres because she is an incredible human and she is hilarious. And we would have a blast together and be the best friends ever. So <laughs> definitely Ellen.
1: The, the one problem I could see with that, though, is that she'd be so funny that you probably wouldn't get that much working out. Oh, done. yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. But at least you would get an <laughs> ab workout laughing, right? Like you abs- wouldn't have to do absolutely. the abs.
1: Absolutely. That's, I mean, that's the best part, too. Oh, and just a little side topic. I've had people on here that I've asked about their ab workouts, and some of them said that they don't even train abs as much. It's just more of the nutrition. What's your opinion on that, and how does that go in your prep?
0: So obviously, we have abs, abdominal muscles, without having to train them. However, if you want your abs to have a certain look, and you really want to make them have that that blocky, defined look. You have to train abs. Just like any other muscle, training them helps them grow, helps them shape. Not training them, it'll whittle them away. Um, so you'll have more of a flat look, but you won't have those defined six-pack or even eight-pack if that's what you want. Um, so I'm a firm believer in training your abs for that reason as well as making sure that you have a healthy moving body because if you don't train your abs and you have a really tight lower back really tight hamstrings um, it's just going to create muscular imbalances and we do not want that we want to keep you healthy and happy and going forever
1: so I've always wondered what what really is the difference between a six pack and an eight pack? Like work wise, do you just have to do more compound moves, or is it what? Because it, a lot of people can generally, or some people can generally just grow an eight pack more than they have a six pack, but some people just can't really seem to get that those. Two final abdominals in are visible. What what's the difference really?
0: Huge difference is your genetics. <laughs> That's huge. But also getting lean enough to see them and then really working on those top two abdom those top two abs and really hitting them. I find that doing um lap pullovers with a dumbbell as well as hanging leg raises are the top two for hitting those top two abs.
1: Absolutely. And by the way, everyone on there, three years ago, I messaged Lacey on Instagram asking for exercises for lower and upper abs, and she did respond. So, we have a, we have a tiny bit of history. So, that's, and I did, I asked the question up again, just to make sure. But uh, for our third question overall, in the five questions, if there was a celebrity in the fitness community that you could train with, who would it be, and what would you train?
0: Ooh. Dang. That's that's a good one. Um, Probably Jen Jewel. She's a D- WBFF fitness pro um, because mm-hmm. she was one of the first people I ever followed. She's such a genuine soul, so sweet, so helpful. She's always stayed true to who she is. And you know what? We would do a full body. That way we got the whole <laughs> bang for your buck. We would go after it. She would probably Absolutely. kill me. But you know what? That is okay. <laughs>
1: so um for our fourth question it, what if there was one thing that you could change about the sport of bodybuilding what would it be
0: i would i would drug test it oh yeah as much as um i know that drugs are something that people can take on their own as their decision i've seen way too many things happen and i've seen people not i haven't seen people die but i've i've been there when people mm-hmm. were taken to the hospital and like and then they didn't come back. So I just wish they would drug test.
1: So, what's the current policy on that? I thought for some they drug test, or is it just for the natural competitions that they have drug tests? Correct. How does that work?
0: They only, oh. for the natural shows, they only drug test if you win. And oh. that is the other problem is some drugs don't show up on drug tests. So, that's a whole nother problem. But yeah, yeah otherwise they don't drug test.
1: Yeah, I was watching that whole um, program on Netflix, if you've seen it, the Icarus thing about the Russian doping scandal.
0: No, I haven't. Is that the one about the gymnasts?
1: Well, it's about um, a guy was doing a, a video. Uh, he was going to do a thing where he was going to be an amateur cyclist where he wanted to um, see really how much steroids played and in, in making him a better cyclist. So mm-hmm. he, he tripped regular cyclist and got to the peak of his physical condition and then recorded his results and then did steroids and then tried to train for the race again just to see how much better it would be and it's all amateur so it's not like he was um like cheating in like a national thing to like get rewarded but he came into contact with one of the russian guys behind the the whole entire russian doping scandal and the, the guy revealed everything, like how they got the, the drugs in the people and how they were able to avoid drug testing. It is – if you have any spare time, I highly recommend it. It's about an hour and a half long. It's called Icarus. I think it's still on Netflix. It is very, very informative. And basically I, I'll just kind of go over one of the things that they kind of used in order to um, – uh, not get caught with the drugs. One of the re- things that they did do is that obviously it's Russia, so they had vodka, plenty of vodka around. But they would mix some of the steroids with vodka, and then they found that if you drank it with the vodka, then when you um got tested, or when you um like um, w- or when you peed, all of the bad stuff would come out of your pee, but all the good stuff would stay in, and that would be avoided of the drug test. It's just really, really a fascinating thing to see, and I highly recommend it.
0: Interesting and scary.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then, like, the guy's life was being threatened, so he had to move to America. Oh, my God. And then it's just, yeah, it's, it's very, very, yeah, it was very, very eye-opening because that's the reason this guy, this guy speaking was one of the big reasons why the whole Russian team got banned from the Olympics that in, like, 2014. Wow. So, yeah, I, yeah, I highly recommend it. So, for our fifth question, um, what was, what would be one, the best piece of advice that you could give someone when they're starting off in their fit in their fitness journey?
0: Do your research, learn proper form, and have a coach for your nutrition. Mm-hmm. Those are my biggest tips.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, um, one of the questions that I do like to ask people, kind of towards the end here, is if you could only tell one one last story, what would it be?
0: You can you repeat the last few words?
1: Um. Okay, yeah, I'll just repeat the whole thing. So if you could only tell one last story and no longer be a story...
0: You keep cutting out, I'm so sorry. I hear if you could oh, tell no one problem, last no story.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, we'll just edit this out anyway. Um, if you could tell one last story and no longer be a storyteller, what would it be? Um, If I could tell one
0: last story... I would tell the story of climbing from a very deep and dark, depressed state um, mm-hmm. in high school to thinking that, you know, it was the end to having a dream where I spoke with God and I was able to, the next day, push past and be a new person and walk in his path.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I just hope that so people what is know so- that
0: they all have an amazing life ahead of them and that they just need to follow that
1: oh absolutely that's one of the things that we like to stress on here as well is that everyone everyone has their own path everyone is special in their own individual way and just just it's always one of the the really heartbreaking things is people that don't realize their true potential or they don't really go for it or they don't they sadly just choose to kind of zone out or just just kind of give up but it's just you're going to have tough times it's just about persevering and especially you of all people should know that being in the fit community and prepping i mean you're going to have a lot of tough times and it's just persevering how has that helped you mentally you think as well kind of having that fit lifestyle where you know you have a set you have a set schedule a lot of the times and you're you're very on the point with your prep how is that a development that you think is is happened because of that
0: fitness hands down has taught me time management so that was i'm what i'm most thankful for is it really has taught me to have to manage my time and make sure that i feel my body not only for fitness but to be able to be the best person i can be and feel my best throughout the day so th- that's the reason i'm very thankful for and uh, being
1: that you uh have so many instagram followers and a lot of people follow you what would you say is the most surprising or what is what is a surprising thing that people usually comment to you when they meet person as opposed to when they followed you for a, for a long time is there like something where they say like oh my god like i couldn't i didn't understand like you were like this in real life is there a quality that you think you have that people don't realize until they meet you
0: people think i'm quiet yeah a lot of people are like oh my gosh you're so bubbly or you're so <laughs> tiny because i really i am a petite person um yeah. and i love when people just think i'm Quiet, and then they think I'm tall because I'm really I'm not tall, and I'm not quiet. (laughs) I can be shy if I want to be, but I am very sarcastic, and I tell it like it is. I think a lot of people think that I'm. People have told me that I'm. They think I'm like a mouse, and I don't speak Mm -hmm. up for myself. But you better bet I speak up for myself a lot, (laughs) and I I say what I want, which can catch me and cause me problems a lot.
1: Hey, well, I mean, obviously. I think that with also the new the fitness lifestyle too, I mean, you have a lot of muscles to back up the talk too as well.
0: <laughs> I try. So, I'm trying. I'm yeah. trying to catch <laughs> up my muscles to my level of sass. That is my goal.
1: <laughs> so um, where do you see the sport of bodybuilding maybe in like the next five years? Do you think it will change much or do you think it will stay mainly the same?
0: Uh, the sport of bodybuilding for men, I feel like it's – Or is, oh, yeah. Do you mean total or just –
1: yeah, yeah, just like overall, just like the bodybuilding, the fitness, and the figure. Do you think it's going to adapt a, a different approach, or do you think it'll stay the same in the in like say like the next five years?
0: I think it'll stay the same the next five years for sure. Um, I th- I feel like it's going to go a lot more mainstream than it is right now. It's it's yeah, been I continuously could... expanding, so I can definitely mm-hmm. see it going more mainstream. Potentially being on television the next five years, I definitely see that happening.
1: Yeah, they, they're stealing shows. I remember watching when I was younger as a kid. But uh, they just don't do that anymore. But I think especially with like things like CrossFit really taking off, and they have it on ESPN, stuff like that will... I think obviously the fitness and it, and I think too also it'll kind of be more of like a public health thing too where as the nation might become more and more obese they might really need to start promoting stuff like that even though bodybuilding isn't extreme when it comes to maybe weight loss or fitness journeys but uh just to promote the idea of a more healthier version I really think is something that they could that they could really do and uh lastly um, if you could have talked to yourself five years ago, knowing that you not knowing that this was really going to take off and what you were going to be become five years from now, what would be the best piece of advice that you would have given yourself?
0: I would have. That was before I embraced who I was, and I would have told myself, "Don't don't care what anybody thinks about you." don't care about what the so what social media says you need to look like don't care about what um, is the in fad in what you look like and don't don't let people who don't believe in you bring you down because you have to believe in you and if you believe in you and you love yourself then that's all that matters nobody else can take that from you nobody else can tear you down if you are your own best friend and I wish I wish I would have done that for myself
1: yep me too absolutely so you're like you aren't a registered dietitian yet but there's you're you're going to be soon what do you think are you maybe in the next year um your account when it comes to fitness overall i mean i know you're getting ready for a show um what's the future looking like for you
0: so I'm I'm very much so hoping to open up my own private practice in a full year of time. Um, but really, this next fall, this fall is for me. I'm going to just allow myself to relax, enjoy a prep, put effort into my clients, and then. As of January, I'll get a, a good, stable job, hopefully in renal care, so kidney care, nutrition. Um, and I'll keep providing content in regards to nutrition, fitness. I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. Um, but for now, I'm just, I'm really trying to focus on me. And I'm very excited mm-hmm. about that. But when my private practice comes about, you better bet that there's going to be a, a lot of content coming out.
1: <laughs> well and i know most of my audience we cannot wait to see it and where can Thank people you. find you other than your instagram
0: page okay so you can find me on my website upliftfit.org um, my instagram page is faith and fit and then my sciencey instagram page is upliftfit nutrition i also am on twitter and i tend to tweet things and need to delete them instantly so that is i
1: love tweets by the way
0: <laughs> thank you thank you my twitter is at lacy Dunn. done and then if you have questions if you want to reach out to me uh, my email is fit and faith at gmail.com again it's fit and faith at gmail.com not like my instagram at faith and fit And that's about it. I hope you guys enjoyed that podcast. Make, you, make sure you subscribe to this one, Uplift Fit Nutrition. And thank you guys so much for listening.